we're talking about Jesus is happy. And I wonder, what makes you happy? Right? What makes us happy? Well, like, I know for myself, one thing that makes me really happy is when I go outside and I go for a walk with my kids and my husband. And a few times lately, we've gone to Paderni, and I just love it. It just makes me so happy. I love telling people about Jesus. I love watching Jesus have victory and breakthrough in people's lives. That makes me happy. Uh, I love being creative and artsy and, and doing kind of creative things. That, that makes me happy. And <laughs> Pastor Greg is commenting on how I'm just, just a little bit love that. Just a little bit makes me happy. Um, and then uh, also uh, studying the Bible. You know, I call it my Bible geek time. And time will literally fly by as I am like deep into Bible study. And that just makes me so happy. Well, I want you to type in the chat with me today, what makes you happy? Tell us, what makes you happy? What just brings you a smile to your face? Well, one more thing that I wanted to share that brings such happiness and joy to me is this cute little video. Uh, this little video is from uh, Jardel and Daniel Hoffarth. They're a wonderful family that attend our church and their little daughter, Evelyn, is two years old, and she likes to talk to me on the phone. Now, I'm not really on the other end of the phone. She just pretends that she's talking to me. And so Jardel sent me this video, and I just love it. Let's see if this makes you happy. Who is it? Who's on the phone, Evie? Kimmy's on the phone? Uh-huh. What is she saying? Bye, Kimmy. Hello. Hello. Kimmy. Hi, Kimmy. 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 What's she saying? Kimmy. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? It's almost like um, that out of Guardians of the Galaxy, I am Groot, I am Groot. She's just like, Kimmy. What is she saying? Kimmy. <laughs> I just love it. It just makes me so happy. If I'm feeling not so hot, I just watch uh, that video and uh, it just brings me such joy. It makes me happy. Well, when we think of Jesus and we think of his character, his life, his death, his resurrection, do you think of him as somebody who's happy? Is that like one of the first things that kind of bubbles to the top when you're thinking of stories of Jesus? And so I kind of ask myself this question, like, well, what's a story that I could think of, you know, where Jesus was happy? And so it was kind of funny because the first story that came to my head was the story of Jesus going into the temple and how he like throws over the tables of the money changers. And I don't think he was necessarily happy, but for some weird twisted way, that story makes me happy. <laughs> I just, there's something about it. I just, it just makes me happy, but I'm pretty sure Jesus was feeling pretty wholly discontented with that situation, but uh, in my twisted mind, it just, it just brings me some kind of happiness. Anyways, there's this other story of, um, of Jesus with children. And you know, when we think of him, we, we think of his righteousness, we think of sanctification, we think of forgiveness, we think of the cross, right? Life, death, resurrection. But, but there's this incredible story that really shows the happiness and joy of Jesus. And it's found in Mark 10, starts in verse 13. 
parents kept bringing their little children to Jesus so that he would lay hands on them and bless them, right? And so the disciples are like, no, 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 shoo, shoo, you know, like, come on, Jesus is busy, like, he's important. And Jesus is like, no, 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 let the kids come. Like, I want to be with the kids, and I want to hug them and embrace them, and, and I want to bless them, and I want to just pour over joy and happiness over the kids. And, you know, this story tells me a lot about Jesus' character and his happiness because kids know who the trustworthy people are and kids know who the non-trustworthy people are, right? They can see right through us adults. And if Jesus wasn't genuinely happy and full of joy, I think the kids would have known it. It would have been like a smelly, stinky Santa at the mall that the kid doesn't want to go anywhere near, right? They'd be like, no, I can't trust that guy. But here with Jesus, the kids run to him because I can imagine him, you know, bending down and getting on their eye level and speaking to them personally because I think he just exuded happiness. It's just who he was. And so we're going to look at a really cool Bible story. And again, one of the things that brings me happiness is Bible study, like deep Bible study. And so I've been reading through um, the Bible. I started a little while ago. And so I've made it through Genesis and Exodus. And I'm in Leviticus. And I'm telling you, there's so many fantastic stories in the Bible. Like there's so much for us to learn. And I'd love to share every single story with you and walk through all of it with you. But I can't. I can only do one. So you just you just get one. You just get one story today, and it starts in the book of Leviticus in chapter 24. And as we're reading this story, you might be like, girlfriend, like, what does this have to do with happiness? Well, just hang on, hang on. Trust me, we're going to get to happiness. You're going to see this. And if you're like me and you're a Bible geek and you love study, this is just going to bring you happiness all the way along as we go. So here we are in Exodus, and we're in chapter 24 is kind of where I'm starting. And there's been this incredible mess, okay? And it's not God's mess, it's humanity's mess. Humanity, people, have made a mess out of the world. And they have rebelled against God, and he has given them so many chances. He's been so gracious. He has forgiven them. He wants to be in relationship with them, and they just keep messing it up. So finally, the Lord says to the Israelites, all right, I, I'm going to establish a covenant between us. And so the Israelites are like, okay, cool. Yeah, we can do that. We're going to step into covenant with the Lord. And so then the Lord says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to build me this tabernacle, which was this meeting place to, for the people to meet with God. And, and he especially wanted to meet them in this place that was, that was at the Ark of the Covenant. All right? And so we have a photo for you so you can see what the Ark of the Covenant would look like. And this was a sacred residence where God would live among the people, it says in Exodus 25, verse 8. And so God's given very specific, detailed instructions on how to build the tabernacle and how to build the Ark of the Covenant. And it says in verse 22, God says, he will meet with the people there. And so there's just something about this. It's like lyrical or romantic or it's like a song. It's just this incredible thing. And it just blows my mind that God is saying he wants to meet with us. God is saying to you today, he wants to meet with you. 
right? This isn't just an Old Testament concept. This is for us today. He wants to meet with you. And I don't know if you realize how incredible that is. Just when I start to fathom and understand a fraction of who God is, he like bams me with something else and I'm just like on my face in worship because he's so incredible. Like, I don't know if you've read Genesis lately, but Genesis 1-3, God spoke and there were stars. God just spoke He saw, and there was light, and there was dark. He just had to think of things, and they came into existence. He used all of his five senses, and things happened. Things were created. Things were molded out of nothing. And that's our God. And and what blows my mind is that he, he is so grand. I mean, did you know that it actually astrologer, astronomists have told us that there are 100,000 million stars just in our Milky Way galaxy, and they estimate there are billions and billions of galaxies in our universe. So that's our God, right? That's our God, the one who just spoke and stars came out of our mouth. And he's saying, I want to meet with you I want a relationship with you. And so he takes the, the grandness of his cosmic expanse of who he is, the great I am, and he says, I'm going to try and contain that, and I'm going to put it in this little place in the Ark of the Covenant where the wings meet. And there's this spot right here that the Jewish priests called Shekinah Glory. And this was the place where God wanted to meet the people. Isn't that incredible? See, that wasn't just for the Old Testament. That was for us past, present, and future. And he continues on and he gives instructions to the people of how they should build the tabernacle and and build all these different pieces. And then he gets to the priestly garment. And that's where we're going to camp out for a little bit. And and you know it says in the New Testament that we are called a royal priesthood. And we're going to circle back to that because trust me, there is happiness in this. There is happiness. Now, Exodus 28 gives um, a whole lot of detail to Aaron, who's the brother of Moses. And he and his sons have been set apart as the priests for the Israelites. And so God gives very specific instructions on what their priestly garment was supposed to look like. He wanted them dressed a certain way in beautiful clothing that would bring them dignity and honor. And what the purpose of that wasn't to elevate Aaron necessarily that he was more special or more important than anybody else, but it was to remind Aaron This role I'm giving you is significant. This responsibility, this authority that I'm giving to you is important. And you need to treat it with respect and honor and come bringing your best into the Lord when you meet with him in the Holy of Holies. So you can see from my sample photo uh, the picture of this whole outfit of the priestly garment This was instructed by God, all of these different pieces. And there was this chest piece. uh, There was an ephod, it's called, which was kind of like an apron, a robe, uh, a tunic, a turban, and a sash. And they were all made from linens uh, with gold um, woven into them and blue and purple and scarlet. And they were meticulously made 
and embroidered, and they would have been stunning, like coacher, coacher, like these garments would have been stunning. And there's a few things I want to point out about these priestly garments, and man, I hope you take some time to study it, because it's really cool stuff. But on the shoulders, God gave very specific instructions that there would be these two onyx stones, and um, they were to engrave the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel onto these onyx stones, okay? And so these were, and, and so here's, here's my Aaron, and I'm sorry, I know he's looking a little bit more like I Love Lucy than um, a priest, uh, but here he is. So, so here's his ephod, and, and here are these stones, and so engraved on them is, are, are the six names Six tribes of Israel on one side and six on the other side. So they've been engraved into these stones and they're sitting here on Aaron's shoulders. It's a part of his priestly garment, okay? And so what it represents is this, um, the, it actually says in Exodus 28, 12, Aaron will carry these names, the 12 tribes of Israel, before the Lord as a constant reminder, and you might be thinking, well, does, does God have amnesia? Like, does he need a fresh reminder as to who the 12 tribes are? And of course he does not. Again, this is for Aaron. Aaron, who do you represent? When you come before me, who is it that you're bringing and you are representing? And so I want you to write in the chat, who is it that you represent? Is it your family, your friends, your neighbors, uh, seniors, singles? Like, who is it that you represent? That you would feel like, yeah, those names would be written on my shoulders as people that I represent. And then the next piece was the chest piece. And so this piece, and again, you have to know the difference. This is not armor. This is a priestly garment. And so these pieces are made out of fabrics and linens, all right? And so this chest piece had 12 stones on it, and each one had the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel that was um, engraved into that stone. And it says in Exodus 28:15, the chest piece is used to determine God's will. And in verse 29, it says this way, Aaron will carry the names of the tribes of Israel on the chest piece over his heart so that when he goes into the presence of the Lord in the holy place, thus the Lord will be reminded of his people continually, right? And so this piece here, it goes over the heart of Aaron. Now, what what would that represent? Well, over the heart would be the things, kind of like the things that I represent. They're probably a lot of the same things, right? Things that are close to my heart are things that are really valuable to me. People that I have invested life in, right? I don't mean things that are valuable. I mean people that are valuable to me. Those are the ones that I would go to bat for, that I would die for, that I would do anything for, right? Those are the people that would be close to my heart. And God is saying to Aaron, Remember. Remember how important this is. Keep them close to your heart. And then the last piece I wanted to focus on in the um, priestly garment is the headpiece. 
And so I, I'm sorry, our little um, Aaron doesn't really have a head, but there's a turban that's there to kind of help you to piece it together. And so this um, was a, this piece that was made um, of pure gold. It was a medallion made of pure gold. And it says to engrave it like a seal. And these words were to be on it, holy to the Lord. Attach the medallion with a blue cord to the front of Aaron's turban where it must remain. Aaron must wear it on his forehead so that he may take on himself any guilt of the people of Israel when they are consecrated, when they are consecrating their sacred offerings. He must always wear it on his forehead so that the Lord will accept the people. And this is a very interesting statement because here, here's something that we know. We know that one man, Aaron, cannot take on the sins of all of the people. But this is why it actually says holy to the Lord. Because you see, God is attracted to his own holiness. God loves to see his holiness. So as Aaron comes before God in that meeting place, what God sees is his own holiness, holy to the Lord. And that's the significance of that headpiece. You see, the garments, these priestly garments, they represent a physical relationship with God where physically there needed to be blood shed. If you read through the book of Leviticus, there has to be blood shed for atonement of sins. It's not optional. It's like over and over. Blood is shed. Blood is shed. Sprinkle the blood. See, blood had to be shed for this atonement. And so this was like a physical relationship that they had with God. This is the Old Testament. But now we come into a spiritual relationship with God. And Jesus Christ was that final sacrifice, that final lamb, that blood that was shed to atone for our sins. And so God is saying here, he's like, I want to meet with you in this holy place. Why? Holy to the Lord in this physical relationship. But now for us here, he's saying, I want to meet with you. Holy to the Lord. Write it on your forehead. Tattoo it before yourself so you don't forget he wants to meet with you here in a spiritual relationship with him. So how does this connect, this physical and this spiritual? How does this connect with our modern-day relationship with God? The key is holiness to the Lord. The purity and holiness of Jesus Christ pays for all of that sin, past, present, and future, and it also reminds me that this is the physical embodiment, but in a spiritual relationship, we have the fruits of the Spirit. We have the armor of God in Ephesians 6, right? You see, we've been set apart as a royal priesthood, just like Aaron and his sons had. And so we can't do this all on our own. We need the holiness of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to get that when we're in relationship with him. Why? Because it says in Hebrews 4.14, Jesus Christ is our high priest. Okay? So he came to fulfill everything that God had talked about in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills it in the New Testament. And he is our high priest. He's higher than Aaron. He's higher than Moses. He's higher than all of us because he's fully God and fully man. But because we have relationship with Jesus, it says in 1 Peter 2.9, 
that we're a chosen people when we have relationship with God and that we are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. So it doesn't just stop with us. We show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. See, these priestly garments, they're not redundant. They have been recreated and redefined, and they help us to connect to God in a new way because he is a new thing for us. See, it's not about rules and religion that you find in, in some of the parts of the Old Testament. It's about relationship, and God is still saying to every single one of us, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you right here. But it's about his holiness, and then he wants to grow and develop that holiness in every single one of us. Now, I'm going to get vulnerable with you and share a story, something that happened just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had some time off a few weeks ago, and I was just having such a wonderful, restful time. I was having uh, such tender moments with the Lord. We were just spending incredible times together. He was giving me pictures, and I just, I felt like happy. I just felt so much joy. And about halfway through my time off, all of a sudden, I don't even know what triggered it. I started feeling really sad, like uncontrollably sad. And uncharacteristically sad. And my husband honestly didn't know what to do with me because I was crying for days. And, and, and church, my family, my friends, this isn't 10 years ago. This was two weeks ago. I felt this incredible oppression and sadness upon me. And it was not my normal. And, and you know, I'm okay with emotions and crying uh, but this was, was beyond that. There was just this incredible sadness. But I kept doing what I know that I needed to do, and I kept going back to the Lord in prayer, even though, honestly, it felt tasteless. I kept going back to Scripture and studying as deep as I possibly could, and I kept worshiping, even though, again, it just didn't feel like there was a lot of life and joy. I kept making myself go back to those things. And I don't want to sound super spiritual. I was not doing this 24 hours a day. But a few times every day, I was like, get my butt up off the couch, put the Kleenex down, and go and choose to worship God. And, and it was just feeling bland. It just wasn't I wasn't breaking out of this. And then uh, one day, about three and a half days later of this, uh, I was feeling pretty low, and I was listening to a song by Carrie Job and Cody Carnes called Cover the Earth. It's one of my favorite songs. And at the end of it, uh, Carrie Job says, uh, let's call out to God. Let's yell out. Let's scream. Let's let everything out of us, and let's just worship God with everything we have, just full in, because Jesus is good. And so when she called everyone to do this, uh, I did it. And so I was at home by myself, and I just yelled out this incredible shout of praise to God. And instantly, I saw a picture of this huge, oversized wooden pallet that was sitting on my shoulders and on my back. And, and I felt the Lord say to me that these were the things that I had been carrying 
my struggles and my burdens and things that I felt I was responsible for, things that are dear to my heart, things that I I do have responsibility for, to love and care for my husband and my family and my church and my friends. And, And I was feeling this overwhelming pressure upon myself. I was holding on to decisions around Dwayne's job and career and And for some reason, I have felt this incredible grief for my mom's um, passing, which has been two years. And honestly, it's felt like it was yesterday. It's been so fresh and tender. And I felt this pressure, this this pallet that I was carrying, and and COVID stuff, and church, and family, and like, what's next? And where do we go? And I was just feeling all this struggle. And I said to Jesus, Why am I carrying all these things? We talk about them all the time. I go to God all the time. We we have conversations about these things. And and this was the moment, the mic drop moment for me. He was like, yeah, you talk to me about those things, but you're not trusting me fully in them. And so there's still a burden. There's still a struggle. There's still a weight. You're holding on to all of those pressures and stresses. And yes, you're talking to me about them, but you're not fully trusting me in all of those things. And I was like, boom, wow. Just right then and there, I I repented and asked God that he would forgive me for not trusting him in all of those different areas. And right away, I saw the pallet break off of my shoulders, and he broke it into two. And then he actually showed me that each of the boards of this pallet that was now laying on the floor represented a struggle. And he took every single one of those and he broke them in half. He, he broke off this idea that I was responsible for my husband's job and career and decisions. And he broke off this feeling of overwhelming grief for my mom. And, and I saw him take all of these broken wooden pieces And they sat at the base of the cross, and he actually took each of those pieces, and he built the cross out of those pieces of wood, out of that pallet that I had been carrying. He took it, and he built the cross. See, I I felt like I was carrying all these burdens, and I was talking to God about it, but I was still hanging on pretty tight. And I do have to say, I also felt like there was some burden for somebody, and maybe that person's watching today, and maybe you had some kind of breakthrough that came on Wednesday afternoon, and maybe you could message me, and maybe our stories connect and collide somehow, but I felt like I was carrying something for somebody else as well. And I want you to know that God has breakthrough for you. He has victory for you. And one of the most beautiful things that happened after I had freedom and victory as I worshiped Jesus in, in, in tongues. I sang out a heavenly language and I couldn't stop. I couldn't contain the joy of the Lord that was inside of me because of his breakthrough. See, God doesn't want us to just be 
feeling like we have this physical relationship where we have to do certain things. He's like, I want to meet with you right here, right now, wherever you're at, whatever your struggle, whatever your burden. I want to break it off of you. I want to give you victory. I want to give you breakthrough because I want you to live for me. I want the joy of the Lord to shine through you. And you know, as we pursue holiness, we get the Lord's happiness. And as we pursue the Lord's happiness, we're going to get holiness. And it's like this divine circle. These two things are connected, happiness and holiness. So let us be people to pursue holiness because the fruit of that is going to be the Lord's happiness. Let us hunger for the word of God. Let us hunger for holiness. You see, I feel like when we do that, all these responsibilities, all these things that we feel like we're holding uh, together, that we're responsible for, when we submit them, when we give them over to the Lord, what happens is that instead, he exchanges them for the fruits of the Spirit. And do you know what is an incredible thing? There's 12 tribes of Israel, and when I went through all the different passages on the fruits, or sorry, on the, uh, yeah, the fruits of the Spirit, there's 12. There's 12 fruits. And this comes from pursuing holiness. When we lay down all of our stuff, all of our burdens, and we say, yes, God, I don't want to carry all that stuff. I just want to pursue holiness because what comes out of that is the fruit of the Spirit. Colossians 3.12 says that we clothe ourselves with these things. Let us be people, not stuck in physical reminders of shouldas and wouldas and couldas, but let us clothe clothe ourselves in the Lord, in the holiness of the Lord, holy to the Lord. I want to tattoo it to my head, holy to the Lord, not because I'm good enough, because there's nothing I could have done to earn this. Because God looks at this and he's attracted to his holiness and he loves his holiness. And so when I'm pursuing his holiness, he's attracted to me. He's like, look, I love that one. She has holiness. I want to give her more holiness. Holy to the Lord. Let us pray. Church, I feel like, like I prayed at the beginning, like we've been living in darkness and sadness, that we've been listening I know I have. Telling you, this is a fresh story. I have. And so let us stand. Let us kneel. Let us lay on our faces. Let us bow down. But church, let's come together right now. And let's come out of that darkness. And so Jesus, we just ask, Lord God, that you would reveal to us right now, as we surrender to you, reveal to us, God, What is it that we're holding on to? What is it that's weighing us down? What is it that's burdening us? And Lord God, just reveal it to us right now. And so church, just let him speak to you. And if you would be so brave, you could write it in the chat afterwards. But I want you to stay in this moment with God. And I want you just to put your hands out in front of you and just imagine that burden just in your hands before you. And you're just going to ask Jesus to forgive you for holding on to it. 
Jesus, forgive me for hanging on to that burden, for not trusting you in this. And God, I ask that you break it. Break it off of me. Break me free from it. Break it so that it could not come back to life and reattach to me. Break it off. Whatever it is. And I want you to imagine just putting that struggle, that burden at his cross. And I want you to imagine he's going to take those pieces and he's building salvation for you. He has built it for you. He has said it is finished. It is done. It is complete. You exchange. You give over your struggle. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you freedom and victory. And I just want you to stand and praise him. God, thank you for your victory. Thank you, Jesus, that you are victorious in my life. Thank you, God, that I see breakthrough happening all over as people are are engaged with us, breaking off all of that old, Lord God. We exchange it. All of those burdens we exchange for your holiness, God. Come and have your way in our hearts, Jesus. We want more of your holiness. Let us pursue you. Let us be starving for you. Let us be so hungry for you that we just can't get enough. We just want more of your holiness, Lord God. Let us hunger for tasteless, but let the word of God just be like the most incredible meal we've ever had. And we just turn from page to page because we just want to know more and more about your glories, Lord God, because you are glorious, Jesus. You are holy, Jesus. And we want to know you. I want to know you, God. I don't even feel like I know you yet. I want to know you more, God. Let me know you more. Let me taste you and experience you, Father. Supernaturally come and awaken us, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, God. Amen.